Amen. So, Lord, we keep our eyes upon you this morning, asking, Lord, for utterance to be given. We pray that the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you would rise up big on the inside of us. Lord, help us to see and to hear things in scriptures that we look at today that maybe we haven't seen before. We trust the Holy Spirit today. We declare that greater is he that lives in us than he that is in the world. Thank God you are our comforter, you are our counselor, you are our intercessor, you are our strengthener, and you are our standby. And we give you alone all of the glory and all of the praise, for it's in Jesus' name that we pray, and everybody said amen. 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 Well, it's really good to be back. You can be seated. Praise God. I haven't ministered the word since July 8th. I've kind of taken on the job of an orderly or a nurse, if you will. I can remember a movie years ago called The Disorderlies. I'm not a disorderly, but uh, it has been an honor and a privilege to take care of my precious bride. I'm telling you what, she is my girl. Amen. And I tell you, I got sunshine on a cloudy day. When it's cold outside, I've got the month of May. And I guess you'll say... What can make you feel this way? All right. So, praise the Lord. So, you know, and and I have a newfound appreciation for my wife. I mean, she has taken such good care of me uh, these last 41 years. It's just been an honor and a blessing to be so taken care of. Uh, But, wow, what a newfound appreciation. I mean... The cooking, the this, the that, the other. I'm in better condition now than I've ever been going up and down those stairs. But it's been a privilege, and she is doing good. We're shouting, we're rejoicing. Praise God. We had a real turnaround in the hospital on the 15th. She was actually in the hospital for four days. Um, she had surgery on the 13th, and, uh, and they w- want to get you home as fast as they possibly can, but you've got to be ready to go home. One of the things that we had to stand against was low blood pressure. So that when she would get up, she would get faint and the room would spin. So once uh, she was able to get up with the help of others, um, uh, she was able to walk. So she was there Saturday and Sunday. And Sunday was kind of a a difficult day for us. But I said, this is enough of this stuff. So on Sunday night, we had a Holy Ghost revival right there in room 4111 at Kaiser Hospital. I was dancing in the spirit. We were prophesying. She was declaring. We were rejoicing in the Lord in spite of weakness, in the midst of weakness. And come Monday morning, she was stronger than she'd ever been before. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So uh, she was able to go home on Tuesday. I'm telling you, she is just doing beautifully. Praise God. And so uh, it's a good thing to rejoice in your midnight hour. It's a good thing to rejoice when you don't feel like rejoicing. Amen? When things don't look good and when you feel bad, I'm telling you, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen? And so you can activate that joy. You can activate that great, great strength by just stepping out in faith, lifting up your hands and lifting up your voice, and God will meet you right where you're at. Amen? How many of you found out that to be true in your lives? Amen. So we're in a series called I Choose. And so this morning, I'm going to speak to you along the lines of I choose faith over fear. 
I choose faith over fear. Now notice with me, if you would, this morning from the book of Mark in chapter 4, and beginning in verse 14, it says, The sower soweth the word, and these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with sadness, gladness, and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time afterward when affliction or persecution, I want you to get this, ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things, entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. But these are they which are sown on good ground. Say, that's me, that's me. Such as hear the word, and receive it, and bring forth fruit, some thirty, some sixty, and some a hundred. So we see the subject of the sower is the word of God. The ground is the heart of men and of women. Now on the same day after he's done teaching, and he was teaching just a little bit more, on the same day, I want you to notice with me in verse 35. And the same day, everyone say the same day. (coughs) When the evening was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships. So we see here that he declared the word of the Lord. And the word of the Lord was this, let us pass over unto the other side. That is, thus saith the Lord. That is a commandment. That is something that they could stand upon, empowering them for them to make it from one side of the lake to the other side of the lake. So with the directive, with the word of God, my friends, comes the ability for you and I to stand and to make it through. Now notice with me in verse 37. And there arose... Now we just read earlier in that chapter that persecution and affliction ariseth for the word's sake. So in this situation, the affliction was that the storm arose. Why did it arise? It was wanting to drown the word that had been sown in their hearts. And there arose, the scripture says, a great storm of wind. And the wee waves beat into that ship so that it was now full. Understand this, that the enemy is not just going to sit by and just twiddle his thumbs and say, okay, they're going to the other side. That's all right. They're going to get the promotion. They're going to get their healing. No, he is a thief. And he comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. He walks about as a roaring lion. These disciples were doing and they were exactly where they were supposed to be. Encountering a storm, 
does not mean that you have somehow some deep-seated sin that, you know, opened the door to the devil. Encountering a storm does not mean that you've missed God. Storms come to stop us. Now, we know for sure this storm was not sent from God. How do you know that? Because you know what James 1.17 says. Let me quote it to you. Every what? Every good gift cometh from where? Above. Was it a good thing, that storm? No, it was a bad thing. As a matter of fact, it was a mega storm with extremely bad intentions. But every good thing comes from the Father of lights. So we see here that many things come against us for the Word's sake. It comes for the Word's sake. So don't be surprised and don't think it's strange concerning the fiery trial which is sent from beneath to stop you or to scare you. Amen. Now notice in verse 38, And he, this is speaking of Jesus, he was in the hinder part of the ship. What was he doing? He was asleep on a pillow. They woke him up and said unto him, Master, don't you care that we perish? The first thing that I see here about the master is he was absolutely not startled. He was in complete rest. He was the picture of rest there. Why is he sleeping? Because he's not scared. Oh, my brothers and sisters, there is a rest that belongs to the people of God. In Hebrews chapter 4, 3, it says, They which have believed. We got any believers in here today? How many of you are standing on God's word? They which have believed, they enter into a rest. There's a calmness. Even though the storm is still happening, when you believe, you can rest. I have found the secret of sleeping good every night. You know what it is? I never go to sleep afraid. I make sure that I monitor what I watch before I go to sleep. I do not like watching horror movies and then going to sleep. I do not like watching things like Jurassic Park coming after children and then go to sleep. I'll go to a matinee, all right? I found the secret. The secret is go to bed and go to sleep with your mind on Him. And you can do that. We can do that. Philippians tells us, it says, whatever things are honest, just, and lovely, and pure, and of good report, if there be anything virtuous about that, if there be any praise, think on these things. And so he was in the hinder part of the ship. He was asleep on a pillow. And then his disciples, they weren't asleep. The disciples were rattled. The storm rattled them. I mean, let's be honest about it. Has anybody ever been rattled before? I'll raise both hands. So we don't want to look down on them. We don't want to put them down. We want to take a look at our own life. But the thing that they question is they question his love for them. Because they said this in verse 38. Master, don't you even care that we're about to perish? You know, the enemy of our soul works on this. He wants us to get us to question God's love for us. He'll say things like, well, if he loves you, why hasn't this happened yet? 
If God really, really cared, why did you get laid off? If God really, 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 really loved you, I mean, why are you having to stand against this chronic disease? Don't you care? And this, my brothers and sisters, whether you realize it or not, gives the enemy a large place in our lives. And the Bible declares that we are to give him no place. Say this with me real strong this morning. I believe in my heart and I say with my mouth that my father loves me as much as he loves Jesus I know and believe the love that my father has toward me my father he loves me therefore I refuse to fear There is no fear in love. A revelation of my Father's love, it casts fear out. It dispels every trace of terror. Hallelujah. I can remember back in 1970, 1981, we were in transition in ministry. We had pastored for a number of years and we were kind of circling the city and we're seeking the Lord about what he would have us to do. And I can remember being up there at my mom and dad's lake home. They had a beautiful lake home in northern Wisconsin, just a beautiful, beautiful area. They would go to Florida every winter. My dad was retired at that time. And so we were low on money and low on places to stay. And so they said, you can stay here. And so we went there and the month of January, very, very cold. Anybody ever been in a cold, cold, snowy winter before? Uh, You don't do it, all right? (laughs) But we're praying and we're just seeking the Lord. And and there there was this opportunity uh, for me to come to California in the month of February of 1982 and just minister in this church and that church and just kind of spy out the land. I had a good friend that was in the area. His name was Terry Nelson, who worked for the Billy Graham Association. And he was out here ministering. And he said, well, you should come out and see what's going on. And uh, I thought, well, okay. Brenda's pregnant with James. James was born in April of 1982. This is 81, 82. And we looked at each other and we thought, "Mm, you know, God has been so good to us. He has never failed us. He has never left us. He has never forsaken us. He's always met our need. You know, there were days where we didn't have two nickels to rub together, but we had God. And we always ate. We always drove. We always had shelter. God was faithful to us and is faithful to us. And we looked at each other and said, well, you know, maybe we should go out to California together. And the revelation that came to us in those days was, God's been so good to us, why wouldn't he meet our need today? Why wouldn't he meet our need in the future? We had a revelation, not only of his faithfulness, but of his love for us. And we just followed him by the grace of God. Praise the Lord, we've been here 36 years. Hallelujah. God is faithful. And God is faithful to you. Say it with me real strong. My God is faithful faithful. and he loves me. me. 
Now notice with me in verse 39. In verse 39 of Mark chapter 4. And he arose. The storm arose. It came for the word's sake. But what did Jesus do? He arose. When things rise up against us, we must arise. He arose and rebuked the wind. And he spoke to the sea. And he said, peace be still. And the wind ceased. And what was there? There was a great calm. It was a great storm. But God always has a greater calm for a great storm if we will rise up in the hinder part of the ship of our life and speak to the mountains. They must be removed. Can you say amen? Amen. Now notice with me in verse 40, 40. And he said unto them, I'm so glad you woke me up and please don't try this at home. Don't try this at home. This is just for me. I'm the son of God now. You boys sit down, take a lesson. You just be good little disciples and let me do it. No, here's what Jesus said. Why are you so full of fear? How is it that you've been with me for three and a half years and you have no faith? Didn't I tell you that you could speak to mountains and mountains will be removed? Didn't I tell you that your words make a difference? The question I have for you is, could they have done better? Was it reasonable for him to expect more out of them? The next question is, could we do better? Is it not reasonable for him to expect more out of us, especially when we have heard the word and heard the word and heard the word and heard the word. See, hearing the word is awesome and is great, but it is the doers of God's word that get blessed. Amen. So the enemy is out there saying, not this time, you're going to get it this time. How many have ever seen God move on your behalf before? I mean, you've seen God move and you've seen him do it again and again and again and again. Well, what that does is that gives us an expectation and a confidence that he will do it again today. And he will do it again tomorrow. I hear the word of the Lord rising up on the inside of me. Now, thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph. So he rebuked them for the fear. And then verse 41, it says, And they feared exceedingly. They went into greater fear. (laughs) And they said to one another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? God was not pleased that day with them. We should have a zero Tolerance for fear in our lives. Zero tolerance. Brother Copeland coined this phrase years ago. It's a beautiful phrase. And incidentally, his convention starts on Monday morning. Uh, You can get it online. Brother Moore is going to be speaking at 1030, which is 830 Pacific time. But Brother Kenneth said this. He said that fear that is tolerated is faith that is contaminated. 
In other words, if we will tolerate fear in our lives, it will contaminate our faith. And we do not want that to happen. Now, there's a couple of things I want to talk to you about this morning. I want to talk to you briefly on the spirit of fear. And then I want to talk for a few moments on the spirit of faith. So look at your Bible in 2 Timothy 1. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. Glory to God. Aren't you glad God's moving all over the earth? I'm glad he's moving in the islands of the sea. When Brother Hershey showed you some videos about what's happening over in Beirut and what's happening around the world, isn't it an awesome thing to know that God's on the move? Hallelujah. And then, how many of you enjoyed Brother Ricky Edwards? I saw something online last night that he was... He was pretending he was that ram in the thicket, you know, over there in Genesis. <laughs> he, he literally picked up a plant. He was a guest speaker. He picked up a plant and he put his face in between. He said, <laughs> he was illustrating the ram in the thicket. Did you enjoy Brother Ricky? Yes. Praise the Lord. And brother, brother Keith, what a great, great blessing. Amen. Glory to God. But God's moving. He's moving all, all, all around the world. You know, last Sunday I had a little bit of time to, to go out and, you know, one of the main jobs I have is I'm the ice man. Because they give you two things of ice that you have to keep filled all the time. So I went over to Lucky and got some ice and then I thought, you know, I want to mosey on down to this church that I've heard a lot about over the years. So I moseyed on in there for their praise and worship time. Oh my goodness, it was wonderful. I'm telling you, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people come into the church. It's a good thing. I'm glad God is moving in the Bay Area. And you know what? Our greatest and our best days are just right ahead of us. You know why? Because we're reaching the lost. We're seeing hurting people healed by God's power. And you know what else? We're seeing people matured. They're growing strong in the Lord and the power of His might. I declare and prophesy that this building won't be big enough to hold all the people that'll come in the next five and ten years. So he says, Pastor Mark, you planning on being here in five and ten years? By the grace of God, one way or the other, glory to God, I'll be around. Amen. What does that have to do with the message? It has everything to do with the message. Because God's Word is the platform. God's Word is the foundation. And when people can come and receive a life-changing Word, it will change their lives forever. I'm telling you what, the infilling of the Holy Spirit and what God wants to do in people's lives is an awesome thing. Amen. Now, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Notice this verse with me. And I want you to read it with me. Ready, read. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We could say it this way. For God has not given me the spirit of fear, but I have a spirit of power. I have a spirit of love and I have a sound mind. Now, as I look at that verse, I immediately think of this phrase. Fear is not natural to the born-again believer. When you got born again, God did not put a little faith in you and a little fear in you and leave you to figure it out. No. Fear is not natural to you and to me. Amen? So there is the spirit of fear. And the world is just filled with it. 
And it's so easy to yield to it unconsciously. That's why our eyes need to be enlightened. To where when fear turns the corner, we can smell it three, four hundred yards away. To when fear begins to minister to our soul, we immediately know that it's not of God and it must be dealt with. Say this with me. God's not given me the spirit of fear. Now let's look over at 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 13. And we'll see here in this verse what God has given you. What God has given you. In the book of Romans, the scripture says that God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. I like to say it like this. I have a measure of mountain moving faith. In 2 Corinthians 4.13, it says this, We having the same spirit of faith. So we see the spirit of fear and the spirit of faith. Exact opposites of one another. We having the same spirit of faith. We don't have the spirit of fear. But what do we have? I have the spirit of faith. We have the spirit of faith. We having the same spirit of faith. You have the same spirit of faith that David had when he took Goliath down. You have the same spirit of faith that the children of Israel had when they marched around Jericho's walls. You have the same spirit of faith that Abraham had. The same spirit of faith. The spirit of faith is the spirit of victory. The spirit of fear is the spirit of defeat. We have him. The same spirit of faith. According as it is written, I believed. You got to find some scriptures to believe. I believed. And because I believe it, therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore we speak. Oh, hallelujah. Woo, hallelujah. Thank God for the spirit of faith. And it's good to identify those that have it and hang with them. It's important to have faith buddies. To where maybe you're having a day where symptoms are lingering. You can call up on your faith buddies and say, tell me now how healed I am again. <laughs> or maybe, maybe you just lost your job and you don't know how you're going to be able to pay your rent or your mortgage. And uh, you're having visions of living under a bridge. Call up a faith buddy. Say, you got your shield out? Let's lock shields together. Tell me again how much God loves me. And tell me again how much God meets my needs. Oh, thank God. When we're talking about faith buddies, we're not talking about fear buddies. Fear buddies will rehearse how bad it is and what they went through. And if you don't watch it, you go through the same thing and only get worse. Now you want to love those people, but you don't want to hang with them. Because what's on them will get on you. Listen to this phrase. If the enemy cannot scare us, 
He cannot stop us. And there will be thoughts. And there will be images. And there will be feelings of fear. That's when you and I choose faith. And we go into the resisting mode. And we go into the casting down every imagination. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And we bring it into captivity. Every thought to the obedience of what thus saith the Lord. Somebody says, Pastor Mark, I don't know if I can do that. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Start by saying every day, I can do all things. Through Christ that strengthens me. And then add this to it. I'm a doer. I am a doer. I'm a doer of the Word of God. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 through 5. You know, it's good to quote scriptures, but it's also good to be able to look at them. Amen? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 through 5. Man, it feels good to be back in church. I don't know what in the world I would do if I wasn't in ministry. Now, Ricky, when he came, you know, Ricky's a farm boy. Brenda's a farm girl. And they have a work ethic like I've never seen before. And, you know, some guys like Brother George and I, to relax, we go out and play 18 holes of golf. And he normally beats me, but we still rejoice. (laughs) Amen. Because we don't care anymore. We don't have a care. Praise the Lord. I like Brother George because he always gives me a lower score than I actually have. But anyway, so Ricky's there and immediately they looked at the house and they said, well, we got to fix this. We got to fix that. We got to fix this. I'm telling you, the boy went to work. I'm thinking about having him in for a 30-day camp meeting next summer (laughs) and stay at the house. I'm telling you what. He fixed lights. He fixed gates. He planted flowers. He put mulch in the backyard. I mean, he did an innumerable amount of things. He's a, and so, like Brother George and I, we go play golf to relax. This is what relaxes him. He's out there working. That's how he does it. He's watering the lawn and, and all that stuff. And I've been watering the lawn for the first time in years. <laughs> And water in the lawn is okay. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not a tiptoe through the tulips kind of guy. But I was out there working and doing this, and it's kind of nice and everything. But, man, I don't know what in the world I'd do if I was not in ministry. Somebody says, well, Pastor Mark, I'm, I'm close to retirement age. Yeah, you may be close to ending your job. You may be close to cashing in on Social Security. You may be close to cashing in your 401k or whatever the case may be. But listen, folks, just because you stop working a secular job doesn't mean you stop serving in the kingdom of God. I just heard the choir on that one. We all have a job to do. We all have a post to fill. Amen? 
And God is good. God's gracious to us. In 2 Timothy, or 2 Corinthians chapter 10, praise the Lord. Now, Brother Hershey didn't do nothing around the house. I just, I just keep him at a hotel. <laughs> oh, Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 through 5 says this. For the weapons of our warfare. Anybody know anything about spiritual warfare? For the weapons of our warfare. They are not carnal. But what are they? They're mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. Fear is a stronghold that must be pulled down and kept down under your feet. Now notice. This is my responsibility. This is our responsibility. The next verse. Casting down imaginations. Another way you could say it is this way. Casting down the images of fear that the spirit of fear brings to our mind. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, that is why it is absolutely, extremely important to know God's Word. When you look at God's Word, you're looking at God's thoughts. And the thoughts that He has toward you are for your good. So if we want to displace fear, we need then to allow the word of the Lord to dwell in us richly so that what's on the inside dispels what's coming against us on the outside. Say with me, I got someone on the inside and he's working on the outside. I've got the word of God on the inside. It's working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. Can you say today that you've been changed? When you say that you've been changed by the power of God, it includes being changed by the Word of God. And that's why Romans says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen. So in closing this, I just have a few thoughts. Fear comes from the outside, but faith is on the inside. So what do we do, Pastor Mark? Here's what we do. When we choose faith over fear, we let what's on the inside rise up and put what's on the outside on the run. Let faith arise and every fear be scattered. He says, let faith arise. Well, that's what Jesus did. Faith rose up. When he said, peace be still, he was saying, me be still. Because he is the Prince of Peace. Well, I, I couldn't do that. Pardon me. Jesus said, the works that I do shall you do also. And greater works than these shall you do because I go to my Father. 
Let faith arise. Let faith arise. Let the Word of God arise. Let what you deposited on the inside of you arise. He says, well, I'm not sure I get that. Listen very carefully. When you lift up your voice, faith arises. And when you lift up your voice by the deposit of God's Word that's on the inside of you, out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth will begin to speak. And when we lift up our voice, faith arises and faith is released and creative power begins to move against the fears that come against our lives. James 4, 7, very simple verse of scripture. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. And what will he do? He will flee from you. So what we do is we resist thoughts of fear with thoughts and words of faith. Two things to remember in closing. Number one, resist the devil. He will flee from you. And then replace his thoughts with the life-changing word of God. Amen? Let's all stand up. That's enough for this morning. Lord, we give you praise and glory. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. If we could have the musicians come, we want to worship the Lord. It's only 10 after 10. Hallelujah. Lift up your hands with me today. and Let's, let's just let faith arise in this place. Let's declare some things. Let's declare some truths that we've heard before. Say this with me. I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not afraid because I've got the biggest one, the bigger one on the inside of me, right here in the midst of the valley. I declare this morning. Greater, greater, much greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I am established in God's word. My heart is fixed. I trust in you. Therefore, I shall not be moved. When bad news comes my way, I will resist it. And replace it with the good news. God's word is good. My father loves me. And my father, he is good to me. I've tasted. Lift up both hands and say, I've tasted from the word of the Lord today. I've tasted from manna from heaven. And my conclusion is this. I have the spirit of faith. The Lord is so good to me. In the name of Jesus. Let's sing something. Let's get happy in the house.